Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I'm so excited about my guest with me here today. Uh, she's someone I've known for a lot of years, and I can't wait to reminisce. Uh, but first, Morgan Miller, she, her, is a comedian, writer, and actor based in Los Angeles. She has toured the country performing improv with the Upright Citizens Brigade and doing stand-up comedy, notably at Bonnaroo, Let's Fest, and headlined the 420 Mile High Festival. She has written and or acted for Netflix, Netflix Historical Roast, Comedy Central, Condé Nast, IFC, Above Average, and Funny or Die. Currently, she is has a standing show in L.A. called Dirty Laundry Comedy Show and is pitching TV shows and movies. It is Hollywood, after all. Oh, and she's gay. Incredibly gay. So gay that some would say, dang, that's gay how gay she is. <laughs> Morgan, hi. That's so funny. <laughs> You asked me to write a bio. That's how a bio is. <laughs> I don't know that a bio has ever made me giggle before. <laughs> so that's good. That's great, actually. I love that. Good. <laughs> oh, my God. How are you? It's been so long. It's been way too long. It's been so long. I'm good. I'm really good. I'm in Los Angeles, and I thought I would never like it here. And I really like it here. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Um, I'm, yeah, things are good, you know, and as we were um, they're saying, you know, things are hard sometimes and that's life. And I kind of take the hard with the good, stay in gratitude in the day. And uh, some, some things, some days are harder than others, but in, in general, I feel really happy in this time of my life, which is great. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Happy and healthy is, is are two incredible adjectives that I'm glad to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which are, have not always been true and might not be true in the future, but today we are happy and healthy. But today, happy and healthy. Yes. So how long is it? How long have you been in LA now? Three, a little over three years I've been in LA. So had, did you just move there when TIFCO did the show in LA? Like, were you like that brand new there? No. So when you're talking about the show that we did here in LA, uh-huh. I hadn't even, I wasn't living here. I was visiting from New York crazily. And I was just there at the same time you were. Holy crap. I really thought you lived there already. Yeah. No, I was visiting and then I went back and then I moved to LA five months later. You know what? I did know that. Yeah. But I forgot. But now I remember. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, I was just, I was here for pilot season and then I went back, but I had already decided that I was, maybe that was it because I had already decided to move to LA before that. Mm, uh, it was mm. already on the horizon. I was ready to do it. It just was about pulling the trigger. So I, I probably talked to you about, I was going to move. But, mm, uh, that's yeah. And maybe you just like you exude LA. So maybe I was just like, yeah, you live here. 
Sure. Probably, why not? Right. I, I, I think in the past I would have maybe resented the, the saying that you <laughs> dude at Los Angeles. Yeah. That's but fair. I, I love, you know, I'm not to say I'm, I feel like a Cali girl and I never thought I'd say that. I never, I was in New York for eight years. I was such a diehard New Yorker, but this girl surfs, this girl plays beach volleyball. Like I, mm. I am loving Los Angeles. It's really, really nice here. I always of course love to go back to New York, but yeah. I like it in LA. I think it's like, I'm an outdoorsy person. I'm from Denver. So it's nice to be back doing outdoorsy stuff for sure. Yeah. And I can see the sun and the windows behind you and it's, it's nice. It is nice. Yeah. Living vicariously through that. It was, it was rainy here today and then it got nice, but you know, make up yeah. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we all have multiple coming out stories. We all have multiple coming into ourself stories and so I would love to hear one of those that you'd like to share with us. Yeah. So I thought about this a lot. And, and you're right, as you know, a queer person and as things are evolving and, and culture is becoming more accepting and, you know, the younger generations are being more accepted as they are. It's constantly evolving, coming into yourself, coming out and all of that. Um, I We'll just say right off the bat, I didn't come out till very late. I came out when I was 24. So I was very um, late bloomer, it feels as if. Um, because now my nieces who are in high school, when I was talking to them in middle school, a lot of their friends had come out as gay or bisexual. And um, so, but I was late. I was late to come out. I came out at 24. Um, and, I, and that might not be late for some people. Um, you come out when you come out. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And even if you're still in the closet and not ready, you're not ready. And I always say this as a community, we're here when you're ready and no one should push you out of the closet. Yeah. Um, but I came out when I was 24 as bisexual. And then I went to that did not work for me. That's not working for me. And, uh, I, I just was dating women. That was it. And then, um, was a lesbian. And now, you know, this umbrella term and this beautiful term of queer is, is something that I'm loving and embracing. And I want to say that my coming, my, my biggest coming out really has happened in the last five years of my life. And I will reveal my age because I'm not ashamed of it. I'm 33. And, uh, I got sober when I was 28. And when I got sober, that's when sort of everything in my life became more real. And I mean that in a, a great way and also a, scare, a really scary way and a really um, hard way. It was really hard to face a lot of the stuff because uh, it was really hard for me to come out. And I drank and I used a lot because of that, because I was gay and I was really uh, ashamed of that. I didn't come from a very religious household or anything like that. I think it was societal norms and pressures that made me incredibly terrified and very ashamed to be gay. And I didn't want anyone to know. And I had a secret uh, girlfriend that I dated for a year and never told anyone, not even my therapist or my best friend. It was very, very difficult for me to accept that. Um, and once I came out, that was super freeing and wonderful when I was um, 24, but I was struggling with mostly... I was struggling with what is it, what does it mean to be 
gay? What does it mean to be a lesbian? And I've had really cool, interesting conversations lately with my friends who are queer because I have mostly all my friends are queer about, you know, what is gender? We talk a lot about like gender stuff and, and what is gender and what is being queer and what is, you know, just the whole spectrum of that kind of thing. And how should you present? I think a lot of is what I was struggling with when I, when I came out first was I like, I didn't want to look super gay. And I think that was a little bit um, put on by like, you know, when I came out, my parents were like, you know, are you going to start dressing different and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And um, Mm -hmm. so for a while I, I fought that and I, I, I presented much more feminine than I think I was, I want, then I, then I knew. And the thing is, I didn't know until I knew. And so I think I was just figuring out what it meant to be me. And, and I think I was struggling, like, am I more of a mask lesbian? There were so many terms, you know, your lipstick lesbian, your chapstick lesbian, all of these terms of where do I fall? Where do I fit in? What box can I go to? That's okay with my family. What boxes are right for, you know, whoever, and so for years, I just, and I think mostly, and, and it, this like was sort of reflected in my fashion and in the way that I dress. And um, I think that when I got sober, I started to like really embrace that I was queer and gay and was still figuring things out um, as to how I wanted to present to the world. And I think today I don't, care how I present to the world because I don't think I need to fit in a box. I don't think I need to say I'm this kind of lesbian. I'm this kind of queer. Um, I use, I do use she, her pronouns, but I do dress more masculine. And that is, you know, fashion has been such a way for me to express myself. And um, I love a good vest and pant look. I really knock that out of the park and um, I'm a sneakerhead always have been. And I think that the more I've settled in to being queer because I'm, you know, I, all my friends are queer and non, I have a lot of non-binary friends and my partner is non-binary. And so this whole labeling of Morgan, are you a lesbian? Are you gay? Are you bi? Are you pan? Are you queer? Whatever it is, I just have come into a place really in the past three years because getting sober was so hard. It was a lot of like, how do I just stay sober? Um, because I was very much not called kind of drug addict. So I really spent my first years just trying to stay sober. And then years three through five, I kind of figured out who I was as a person And today it's like, I don't feel as if I need a label, which is amazing. And I just feel, and I was talking to my partner about this is that we are who we are and I'm Morgan. What is Morgan dating a wonderful human being who I care for immensely, who's non-binary and my friends are very queer and gender bendy and it's wonderful. And you know, we, we joked the other day that gender bending for me is wearing nail polish, Mm -hmm. which I've started doing. And it's like, so that like brings out the feminine side in me, which is really fun. So I'm gender bending in a way that is what society would be like already is feminine that someone who uses she, her pronouns would use. Um, but it's, it's really in the last three years that I've, I fell into like the way that I look, the way that I dress and the way that I have less of a care of 
trying to label myself, I think is what has, has been my most joyous part of, you know, my queer journey is that I don't, I don't need a label. And if you ask me for one, I'll give you one, but I'm just queer and I, and I'm, you know, I, I would say like, I'm a lesbian and I, I am attracted to that, but I have an eye printer. So there is there for me, I'm just queer. And that is an umbrella term that I can use and I can stand by, but it's, it's also just, I'm Morgan. And coming into that, I think was really the, the most amazing thing that's happened. And that's purely due to sobriety and figuring out my mental health. I am bipolar and I have anxiety and insomnia and figuring out all of the external stuff and all of the internal stuff that was torturing me and that I needed to deal with before I could come into sexuality and gender and that kind of thing. I always knew I was super into girls. I was like, and by always, I mean, since I was 24, I hit it a lot. I was straight in college. I was a straight girl in a sorority playing a sport straight dated the captain of the soccer team, dude, girl. And when I came out, I was, and I first kissed a girl. I was like, oh, this is the deal. This is the deal. I'm gay as they come. So what I really wanted to say is like, and I know I can be very long-winded, but it's just the last three years where I've also surrounded myself with a community in Los Angeles that is so beautiful and queer and proud of who they are. And most of my friends are sober and we get to go out and express ourselves and be exactly who we are in queer spaces where we feel safe, which is unfortunately not everywhere still. And so we really just stick to, to queer places. That's where we go out. But I've felt in the past couple of years, especially with the way I dress and present, I feel some more myself than I ever have. And that's been like a beautiful journey. And I I really owe that to two of my best friends who have, you know, pushed me in terms of that to embrace every side of me, you know, and I I hate to say my feminine side or my masculine side, because I don't believe in that shit. I don't think it's, that's real stuff, but I do think that it is come that I'm like also more excited to be sexually expressive and be um, dressed, you know, provocative or not, or very, you know, and I think that my best friends have really pushed me to, to explore all of that. And so now I feel more comfortable in my skin than I ever have. And And at 33, I think that's pretty, that's, I feel very lucky because of that, but it is mostly, it is due to working on my mental health and becoming sober and living in and really being in a community that is queer and, and incredibly expressive in their queerness. That's what's helped me the most. Yeah. So su- super long-winded question, but I think that's, that is sort of a story. If yeah. it <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I resonate with so much, so, so, so much of what, you were talking about and a big topic of that is sobriety. And so I'm going to, I'm going to save that for its own section of the conversation. Um, But I just, I, I relate so much to so much of this, of like this 
like neat. First of all, I also came out as bisexual because for me, I was like, well, I don't, I think a lot of people do. I mean, I've, I've heard that a lot of, of just not that bisexuality is a throwaway identity to like try on and throw away. It's more like, and it's also like not a stopover (laughs) identity, but you know, people use it when they're not ready to, I don't know, quote unquote, commit to something right? Um, because it's so encompassing. It kind of gives wiggle room for folks to explore more. Uh, And that's where I'm coming from with that. Um, But it's interesting because for me, I, I like knew I was gay from like day one. (laughs) I was like, I am gay. I'm so dang gay that it's gay how gay I am to quote a a comedy genius. Um, (laughs) And then, um, you know, and that was, for me, it was, okay, I'm being told I'm a girl. So I was like, okay, and I like girls, so I must be gay. And then, so I also use the word lesbian for a lot of, a lot of my life and which never felt sat right anywhere in my body, but I was like, well, that's just what it is. Um, and so I struggled with finding words that were affirming for me until I was 29 and learned that non-binary genderqueer existed. Right. And I was like, oh, well that fucking makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when I started testosterone, something sh- is shifting in me where like now I'm finding myself attracted to people of all genders. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so is this, and also, is that also due to being sober? Yeah, Like it could so many things it could be, I don't know, but it just really resonating with me of, I, I was, I had a point to this, which, which was, um, well, a coming out as the same identity as you and then finding actually where we feel more, most affirmed and mm-hmm. two, um, what was two, what was two, I forget. I just got so excited. You'll Anyways, remember it. It's very, yeah, we're hopefully I remember, but I think it's, it's so, um, I'm just, I'm so glad that you have um, found a community that you are, that you're able to explore yourself in, feel safe to do that exploration. You have friends that are gently nudging you to embrace all the sides of you. That's so special. It's so, it's so special. It is truly where I find most gratitude is my chosen family. And that's what I call them, my chosen family. Um, I've always had difficulties with blood family. It's always been hard. I'm the only gay one in my family openly. I'm the only sober one in my family. I feel very other a lot Mm -hmm. with my family. I love them very much and they love me and have always accepted me, um, you know, in whatever form I've been in and have been sport partners, but, you know, to find this community that I have of queer and mostly sober people, you know, I say this a lot, but like, there's no one more fun than like ex junkies, like going out and being queers and being sober. Like we, we knew how to have fun. We just were using substances in the wrong way. So like all my friends are still, you know, big partiers and so fun and expressive and beautiful. And I do think that I finally found a queer community, which I had never really had. That was like purely gay and queer. And now that's who I surround myself with all the time. That's who, you know, my best friends in New York were all queer and gay and Mike Kelton, who I shout out on every single podcast in the world. <laughs> he's my one. He's, he's my guy. 
um we have matching tattoos but he's been my best friend forever and ever and ever through everything mike has been my friend since i was straight and he defended me when i was straight and then i came out and he was there for me when i came out and then he was there for me in my darkest days of my alcoholism and then he was also there when i got sober and has now been here through how i am now and you know that's a special thing to have a friend be able to go through all that with you um for sure and he's been a rock for me very big rock but in LA I've really found this like there's no other way to describe it than like beautifully like eccentric and and uh my friends are so my friends are so themselves that every time I see them or I talk to them or I, I go out with them or, or we like get dressed together. I learn something new and I, I get more excited about being queer and that's true. And I've been gay for a while now. And I, I can really truly say that every time I hang out with my queer friends, I'm more and more am so glad that I'm queer and gay and have these friends. It's just, I'm so proud of it. And that was, that's something I also say a lot is like, the three things that I was most ashamed of in my life, period, which were that I was mentally ill. I had a problem with drugs and alcohol and I was gay. And those are the three things that I was so ashamed and I wouldn't talk about to anyone. And today, truly, those are the three things I'm most proud of, period. The most things I'm most proud of. I'm so happy to be someone in recovery who can talk about sobriety. It's changed my life. I'm so glad I'm <laughs> medicated and mentally ill so that I can talk about it and be there for people who want to talk about bipolar disorder. And God damn, I love being gay. I love it so much. It's such a great world to be once you step out and find, find your people. So yeah, that's a, my friends and my chosen family are a huge, a huge reason of why I am who I am today and who I become more and more myself. Even in the last year, I feel like I've embraced my body more and mm-hmm. been like, I'm going to wear just a sports bra or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wear less clothes. I'm always someone who's wanted to be pretty clothed up. And now I'm like, I don't know, we're going out clothing. So I got to look spicy or whatever it may be. And so I think it's, it's, nice to have friends that push that side of you and, and also celebrate it, you know, and I don't have judgment. My friends don't have any judgment. They just are, you know, supportive. It's a supportive community, but yeah, everything changed when I found my people, my queer community, which I really didn't have until I moved to LA, which is interesting, but I really didn't have a solid queer community until I got here. And I'm so grateful for it. So grateful. I like I'm booking the next flight to LA (laughs) like this magical community of which you speak sounds so appealing (laughs) it sounds so nice it really I can't believe I found it and we say that also to each other we're like how you know Miss God was looking out and put us all together because we you know the other night we were making dinner and just sometimes we bask in the gratitude of like how did we find each other this is so great Mm. this is so wonderful so yeah, book your ticket. We're a fun little bunch out here. We'd love I love it. Um, I'm going to be in LA in September, so 
let's Great. hang out. <laughs> right. uh, and also I want to put on a, another live show. So I'm going to um, also talk to you about that. But I love this idea of like basking in gratitude. Um, and also finding people who help you become more and more yourself is also, I'm just going to say it again, it's special. It just, it's so good. Yeah, it's so, it's so special. I think I had queer friends and things like that in the past, but I think I have friends now who do push me to be more me. And also I feel more comfortable being me. You know, I've, I've, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm clownish and I'm, I love clowns and I'm, I'm, I'm weird and I love vaudeville and I'm like trying to bring back like suspenders and I want to wear a gold chain and I want, you know, I'm like kind of eccentric and I dress weird and I just a lot of colors. And I used to have a lot of friends that are like, you're, you dress in more colors than any of my friends. All my friends dress in black. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a colorful, like outspoken, you know, and I want, when I get obsessed with something in general, suspenders have been it lately that I embrace that and then I'm celebrated by that by my friends. And then I'm like, I want to paint my nails. And then we paint my nails and I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so like hot with my nails painted. So yeah, I have people that push me and I think push me is, is something they do. And then they also teach me, Mm. they teach me by being, and I'm, I get to have friends that I get taught by, osmosis basically by being around them by seeing how they celebrate their queerness and their gender and their you know style and and sexuality it it bleeds into my life and it's so special you're right it's so special really is you know it's um I there was a being so far in the closet until I was, I came out at, at 20, first round of coming out as gay. And then right. again, in 29 as genderqueer. Mm-hmm. There's so much both conscious and unconscious um, hiding and shame and uh, conf- conformity for me that it, I am still undoing all of those messages that I received from community and television and friends and family, whether they were joking with me or not, I internalize that shit deep. Like I also am like a very colorful person. I like being silly. I am silly. And I like wearing tie dye shorts and shirts like 24, seven, 365. And I've, you know, whatever it might be. And I've had people in the past be like, why are you wearing that? Or you look stupid. And they're, they're joking with me, they're, right? Like right. they're my friends. They were joking around, but right. like, I took that shit seriously. And yeah. so it's like, I was putting, so I like, I dialed it back. I was dialing it back and I'm now at this convergence of I'm almost two years sober and I'm almost two years on tea. Congratulations and- on both of those things. Thank that you. is so amazing and wonderful i'm so happy for you i'm thank so you. happy thank you it's been you know you you brought up being sober has changed your life and I, again this, this is going to be its whole own thing but it, for me too and it's um but i'm i have been you know now that i'm sober i have the brain space and the ability to be intentional about all the other things and i'm so present in the decisions that i'm making where it's like i don't ever want to go back to where I let people's comments fuck with me 
because right. everyone else, this, my whole life, I was trying to conform because I was also deeply ashamed and scared of these parts of me and didn't want to admit that I had a drinking problem. And I'm like, and maybe this can happen in our section, but like kind of mad at the people around me, not mad, but like, why didn't anyone like jump in and be like, Hey, you have a problem. Like it was very clear to me at least. And yeah. I think to other people too. Um, I think maybe once my mom said, I think you have a drinking problem. And I shut her down so quickly that mm-hmm. like, I think she was scared to bring it up with me again. Cause I got real nasty real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so all of this, and I remembered my other thing too, which I hopefully won't forget, but all of this is to say, I literally just looked in the mirror today and thought to myself, like, fuck yeah. You know, like for so long, I was never saying that about myself, yeah. but I was like feeling myself and it was just like, yes, finally, it. finally, I feel me and I feel good in this body that I felt not good in for the majority of my life and not only like physical body, but emotionally and spiritually and um, all of that. And it's just, it, I really, owe I, I do owe a lot of that to sobriety and also to um, just really deciding that I'm not letting other people determine my joy anymore or determine, you know what I mean? And so I wear what I want to wear. And if someone says something to me, it's like, you know what, basically go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. I, I don't care what, what your opinion is because I've worked too fucking hard to get to where I am to let you put me, uh, put me down or, you know, make me feel like I'm less than. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I mean, I don't like to ever speak for him, but I'm pause. I'm almost sure that most queer people in the world have that one thing or two things that someone said when we were younger or, you know, in the closet that kept us in there a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me and, and my parents don't, my mom doesn't remember this at all. And I don't think it was said in any malicious way, but I think, we were sort of joking about maybe someone in my family being gay or something of that respect. And my mom was like, you know, I think your father would have a really hard time if someone mm-hmm. was gay. Um, very offhandedly. And, and and I don't think she even really meant it. And, and my father has been so accepting and wonderful. Um, he uh, He's not emotional really at all, but he is just like a dude who sent me an email being like, I just want you to be happy and I love you. So that that was great. But it's those little, I think we all have those things. And my mom never would have remembered that. But for me, that stuck with me. And I was like, oh, I can't then. Mm-hmm. If my father's going to have a hard time and be disappointed in me, I'm going to stay in it a little bit longer. So I do think there's like little things people can say that really sting and hurt and keep us less us. And it's still can honestly be hard. You know, I have friends that still joke around. And are like, oh, you're wearing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I am. I am. That is what's happening. And it's actually pretty rad. And like you said, you know, we're colorful and you love to wear tie-dye. And I love to, you know, wear track suits with chains. And people are like, you look like you're on The Sopranos or something. And I'm like, great. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. Um, 
but it's still, it's not easy. It's not, it never, I don't know if it's ever going to become easy, but I do think there is a level of, I respect what you're saying, but like you said, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't your life. And I don't really care about your judgment. And if you have judgment and it's positive, I'd love to hear it. And if not, you can keep that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard also because I'm a comedian and, you know, I do a lot of joking around and poking fun and that's sort of, you know, doing bits with people. And I think also people that aren't comedians that are my friends think that they can be a little bit harsher with their jokes with me because I'm a comic who can joke. But sometimes I'm like, it's too much. I don't want to, it's too much, it's too much like digging at me. And so, you know, I think I still have moments of like, oh, that sucks that someone joked about that or whatever it might be. But I will say, like you said, I wake up and look in the mirror and I'm like, hell, fuck yeah. Mm. And that's a lot of affirmations written on my mirror for a long time. Like, that's not an overnight thing. That's a mm. lot of like, and a lot of coming into my body and, um, you know, and I, I, I've never felt uncomfortable in my body in the sense of the some of the parts is other, I guess what I can say, but I, I have a lot of, you know, I wish I was thinner. I wish I was X. I wish I didn't have as big boobs as I have. I wish I was this. A lot of it has to do with just being thinner. I wish I was thinner. And the, the truth is, is that I'm very athletic and I'm very like big boned. And so I'm very like, and as one of my best friends here said, he was like, you couldn't do the amazing things you do as an athlete and a human. If you were any thinner, you're so strong. And when he said that, I was like, you know, that's right. I don't look like a model in a bikini. That's the typical model or whatever it might be. And I think that's millennial shit too, that I'm unpacking. It's like millennials were fucked from the beginning because everyone was like, you look like Paris Hilton or you're ugly. And you're Mm. like, fuck, I'm not a size two and I'm never going to be, I'm literally 5'10". You know, I've, I've, I can't be that. And I'm also like, I have to eat. I'm always hiking. And, you know, <laughs> I, so I think that, you know, it took years of, of that to feel comfortable in my body. There's days where I do wish that like, I wasn't, I was, I think the thin thing is such a millennial stuff that it's so ingrained in me that if I was just a little thinner um, or a little less, you know, thick here or there, whatever, I would love myself even more. And that's just not true. It's just not because external stuff isn't what makes me happy. It's internal, it's emotionally, it's spiritually, it's acceptance. It's all that kind of stuff that makes me happy. So when I can look in the mirror and be like, hell yeah. And I'll tell you what, it helps when friends say that too. Mm -hmm. And it helps when my partner says it. And, you know, some people are like, you don't need external validation. And I, I think that's true in some ways, but God damn, it helps. Mm-hmm. I think it helps, right? Like it helps to have my friends be like, dang, you look fucking good in a bikini or like, whoa, you're looking hot tonight. I had one of my friends say, I love the way that you're expressing your, your gender fluidity when we went out one time. And I was like, mm. that is one of the nicest things I've ever heard 
And we went to some leather party and I was wearing a dog collar on my neck and some shit. It was crazy. I was like, I've never dressed like that in my life and uh, was wearing like leather and stuff like that. And also, but then I had like, like very lacy girly underwear. It just was like, I'm sort of, and that was such a cool thing to hear. And I would never go out to a bar with my shirt off ever until like in the past year. Um, And I have a lot of friends who've, started tea and gotten top surgery. And like, I just also get to surround myself with people who are also doing that at the same time and watching them. And again, I think it's by osmosis. I'm watching people grow into who they're supposed to be. And then I'm like, oh, I can do that as well. And it's really been amazing. A lot of my friends have started tea and had top surgery or on their way to top surgery. Um, and it's just like such a, it's, I feel blessed to be able to watch my friends come into themselves like that and finally be what they are. And it's not even like who they want to, you know, it's like, we talk about once, it's just like who you fucking are. Mm-hmm. And for me to hear you don't say that you look in the mirror and you're like, I fucking love that. That is so, that makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. And I'm so happy for you, but I'm also like, again through osmosis with you it's like dubs loves themselves so much and even in today it's like then i can't do you know yeah the solidarity of all of that is also real yeah thank you for for that yeah it's also like you said it's not an overnight thing it's also it's an active job <laughs> to love yes. oneself and to show yes. up for oneself in those mm-hmm. ways and um yeah, it's hard. It's hard, you know, thinking about we don't need external factors to tell us, you know, who we are or, but also it feels nice to be affirmed. And it's like, I'm actually going for something here. And for someone to pick up on it is like very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It's, um, you know, I hate, yeah, social media is such a, it's, it's a hellscape. Um, but, you know, I'm less likes is it's not about likes it's about it's also about like going to sexual spaces or exploring bars or things like that where people of all shapes sizes and everything are exuding this confidence of like I'm fucking hot and I look like this and I'm like damn that is hot the hottest thing to me is confidence it always will be and it's the hardest thing to get. Mm-hmm. And, but I think seeing other queer people be so confident in exactly who they are has also been like, oh, I can also do that. And again, it's daily, mm-hmm. it's a daily thing. Some days are harder than others, but I also have felt very, um, I don't want to say lucky, but I feel very, very like grateful that I have been able to um, feel comfortable in my pronouns and in my, once I came out, my sexuality and all of that, I feel very fortunate that that's felt very right to me. And I know it's been really hard struggle for lots and lots of people. Um, And the more non-binary friends I have and the more that they accept that I'm like, in awe of the bravery and the, the acceptance and what our society is doing. I'm just in awe and I'm so, I feel very um, grateful to be part of that journey with any one of my friends. 
Um, cause I know there's levels of how hard it is, you know, like how it was so much easier for so long for a gay guy to be like, I'm a gay guy. And, but to be a lesbian was immediately fetishized. You know, you say I'm a lesbian and everyone's like, okay, well, what does it look like when you, you have sex? And that's immediately what people think. And then it was like easier to say I'm a lesbian, you know, the L word came out and mm-hmm. the real L word. And then it was like, okay, that's sort of easy. And then trans was like, has been, I think very hard. And I, um, have a lot of trans friends and then this whole non-binary movement of like what the fuck even is gender and I think there's levels of like hardness of it it's it just hard in general but society's changing but it it's just inspiring it's inspiring to see people just step into them and as I was saying in the beginning I don't need a label for that and I don't think my friends do either they're not like I just had such a serious conversation with this and my partner about this. It's like the label shit is so just like for us out the window. It's like you're dating Morgan. (laughs) That's who you're dating. You're not dating. And like lesbian has always felt like a right term for me. But at the end of the day, you're just dating me. And I'm just dating this person. And so um, the more we grounded ourselves in that, the more that I think... I was able to like kind of reflect and say, yeah, coming into yourself, coming out is just being more you. It's Mm -hmm. not like being more queer or more gay or whatever that means. You know, what's more gay? Having more sex with more of the same sex? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think there's levels of that. I think what it is, is like you're coming into who you, who you are and society has deemed that not straight. So therefore queer which is great i'd much rather be fucking queer and this it's really fun yeah uh, yeah that that's actually that was the other thing i couldn't think of and then i remembered which was this the the notion of labels um and how um for for me and for a lot of people i know um it's almost like you go on a journey where it's like the words and the labels that were given to us were wrong And so then it's like really trying to find the words that help us find who we are, right? To, to come into ourselves. I didn't know that gender queer non-binary people existed. I didn't know that that was a way to exist. And once I learned that label and could apply that to myself, that was so powerful. Yeah. That's because I gave it to myself, not someone put it on me. And so then it became really kind of trying to figure out what, you know, gender queerness means to me. And I think kind of to what you're saying too, the more and more I'm coming into myself, the less I feel a need for a label. It's like, I'm just me and who I am is going to continue to evolve. Right. God willing for the rest of my life, I I better keep evolving and changing and growing. Um, And like those words are going to, they're going to change too. Like, you know, it's, so that I think when we get to empower ourselves with words, they actually are power. It's powerful. And also um, for some people, not as necessary, like, like what yeah. you were saying. No, I, I would agree with that fully. I think that the power of giving yourself a label is it's so that's real. The power of like, me coming out on the first time on stage as a state, cause I started stand up as someone who was straight 
Mm. The first time I said on stage that I was gay and I still yell it because I love to, but that just owning that and putting that, that was so in that time in that moment in my life, the biggest thing and what I needed, I needed a label because I needed to tell everyone that, you know, they weren't whatever they perceived or thought or whatever, that wasn't the deal. Here's the deal. I'm telling Mm you, I'm gay. And then I was like, I'm a lesbian. That feels really right to me to say that. And queer has been something that I've like never really kind of felt in myself. And then in the last year, that's been something that I've embraced more, but I do think there isn't, I don't want to take away from the fact that labels can be empowering because mm-hmm. I do think that that's true for you to find that is so amazing. But I do think, uh, you know, to hold on to that. And for me though, and I, again, I only speak for myself, the, for me, what's becoming more empowering in the last, this has truly been the last year has been letting go of labels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed them. I really mm-hmm. needed them. And that's how I feel about drugs and alcohol too. Is like, I needed drugs and alcohol to survive for a long time. I needed yep. labels to survive for a long time. Like that was a necessary thing for me to, to live, to live, you know? Yeah. And to say I'm gay and then be accepted by the gay community and held by them was something I needed in that moment. And now that I'm part of this fucking queer ass group, now we're all just like, we're who we are, who we are. And, um, and then, you know, I don't know, it might feel right in the future to, to embrace another label. And again, I agree constantly evolving and changing and whatever makes you feel more, you more empowered, more, you know, on the track to being happy, joyous and free, which is what, you know, I talk about in recovery is, is what is, is a beautiful thing that you should embrace. So I do, I, I love that. You know, I love that, that you said that because I hadn't really thought about it is there was a time when I could label it that was very empowering, very empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I am, um, that, that is, it's, I think what's one of the things you said is a beautiful segue into the the section that I keep referencing that we're going to, I would love to talk to you about sobriety of like the necessaries in the, mo- in that, time of life to stay alive was Mm -hmm. like that was so me that was me too like I needed to drink to stay alive because I was so fucking miserable and depressed and scared and ashamed and could not could not bear functioning in most situations sober because it was that hard yeah absolutely Absolutely. That is, um, you know, I say that alcohol, it saves my life because, and it gets, you know, my story is dark, but it's not a, it's not a secret. It's online. It's everywhere. But, you know, I had a bottle of pills in one hand and a bottle of Jack in the other. And that there was a choice there for years. And I decided to drink that pain away instead of end it. And so alcohol was necessary and I needed it when it stopped working is when things got extra scary and extra dark. And then I had this floundering moment of like, I don't know what to do because that was working for a little bit and now it's not. So what do I do? And 
I was given the gift of sobriety, not willingly. I did not want to get sober. This was not, in the beginning, I did not want to get sober and I didn't think I had a drinking problem. And a lot of people would have told you, how could you not see it and all that? But my my family drinks a lot. Um, And so I've come from a family that drinks a lot and has said, you know, that's how we cope. That's how our family copes. That's how the Millers learn how to cope. And um, and so I never thought alcohol was a problem. And also when you're mentally ill, which I have, by, I'm diagnosed bipolar and I have severe anxiety that I'm medicated for, um, that I was like, that's the problem. That's the issue. And once I can get that figured out, I can drink normally. And the truth is you can have it all. <laughs> you can be a drug addict, an alcoholic, you can be, you can be all of it and gay and you can actually embrace all that, you know? Um, but I think sobriety was really hard for me to grasp and I didn't want it. I was forced into it, um, which I'm so grateful for now. I couldn't be more grateful that I was, uh, I was a real brat and bitch about it in the beginning. (laughs) I was really pissed that you, that people took drugs and alcohol away from me. And then about six months in stuff started to shift. And then about a year in of being of continuous sobriety, I was like, Oh, I get this thing. I get it. I get why sobriety is so magical. That takes a while. Um, it takes a while. You know, a lot of people are forced in with DUIs or whatever it might be. And I, I came straight out of a psych ward where I, uh, it was my final attempt to end it all. And they were like, you gotta go, to, you gotta stop drinking. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no, I don't, I gotta get the right meds. And they were like, you kind of gotta do both. So, um, and I did, and it's the best, like, as you've said, sobriety is the best thing I've ever done. And it's the most important thing in my life for sure. It's the top of my vision board. It comes before anything. And I'm so, it's the thing I'm most proud of. I'm really, really, really proud of my sobriety. And that is personal to me because my family doesn't really understand it. And my friends are wonderful and sober, but for me, it's the thing I have that I'm proud of that I did. And I didn't do it alone. I did it with a group and I did it with a lot of support, but I did it. And I'm really proud of that. So, so yeah, so I think sobriety was, um, afforded me the opportunity to get to be more me when really I thought that was my, my whole identity. It's like a party girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out you can be a party girl without the drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if you experienced this. It sounds like maybe you did, but I, I feel like I had to relearn how to do everything <laughs> sober. <laughs> like, I don't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to be in social situations. I didn't know how to go to weddings. I don't know how to sure. go to a happy hour and not, you know, like just hang in and, it's been a little bit different for me because I got sober in COVID. So like things were closed and people weren't socializing totally. as much. And so it kind of was like a double, you know, on the one hand, everyone's like, why would you give up drinking now <laughs> when it's like the hardest time? And it's like, it's always going to be the hardest time. And it's like, kind of was nice because I wasn't missing happy hours and parties. And it was like more chill. So I got yeah. kind of like got my sea legs in a, in a, in a quote unquote slower time. Yeah. But did you have to relearn how to do everything? 
you know, everything I, it wasn't, you know, I'm such a, I'm such an extrovert. I'm like such an extrovert and I'm a Sagittarius to a T. And so for me being social is like, I think just part of my DNA and being like open and, and, you know, wanting to be the fun, like fun of party and like travel and all of this stuff is sort of ingrained in me, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm such an extrovert. And when I got sober, I didn't stop performing. And I kept performing, even though it was really difficult because you're paid in drink tickets and all of that. But I just, I wasn't going to give up performing. If I was going to have to give up alcohol, I wasn't going to give up performing. So I continued to do that. But I will say that every first experience was incredibly difficult. And I did have to learn how to do it sober. And that is weddings, super hard. First time I flew sober, super hard. So fucking hard. So hard. Favorite place to drink on an airplane. So great. Um, My first kiss sober my first sexual experience I mean I'd never really had sex really sober until I got sober and it's all scary it was all scary but for me um I did feel like I had to relearn a lot but I feel um to be like so honest with myself I feel like the social stuff was easier for me because I just that's always been who I am. I've always been social. And so I didn't think that was as hard to, to learn, to relearn, but I did have to relearn a lot, a -hmm. lot. Um, And I, I think one of the biggest things was how to have as much fun is what I was, would say in the beginning of sobriety. How do I have as much fun in these situations without drugs and alcohol? And that was a huge learning curve. And now it's like, how did I have, how did I think I was having that much fun with drugs and alcohol? Because this is real fun. This Mm -hmm. is fun when I remember it, when I wake up with who I want to wake up with, when I didn't sleep with someone for drugs, you know, all of the stuff that I did is, um, but I would have said that's, that was fun that, you know, raving like that, that there's nothing better than the first time I raved and was on a lot of drugs. And now, you know, with the experience of having sobriety and I've been lucky enough to go out and I got sober when it wasn't a pandemic, I'm like, Oh, I can't imagine not being as present. I am for such fun moments. And that's, a, that's one of the biggest things is like being present, but I couldn't be present. And again, that's why I think alcohol saved my life. And as kind of you said, I could, I was, couldn't, I was so fucked up. I was so sad. I was had such crippling, awful bipolar disorder that wasn't diagnosed. I was incredibly suicidal for almost 15 years of my life. I could not imagine a world where I couldn't numb that out what was happening in my mind because it was so scary and awful and modern medicine is unbelievable. It's something I put on my gratitude list every day. And, um, and so today I can be present because of the diligent work we do every day. Every day I have to make a conscious decision to be sober, to take my meds, to do the work, to stay sober, to be part of my community, to give back, to get, you know, to be within that. It's daily. It's daily that I do that. But now I'm like, oh, being present is like the coolest thing in the world. And it's awesome. And 
but that was learned. That's a whole learning thing. And as I'm like saying it out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, Morgan, you did have to relearn to do everything. But I just think the, there's, I think a lot of people say that they used alcohol as a social lubricant a lot. And I don't think that that was true for me, but I used it as a, as definitely for a lot of other things, um, mostly to get out of the torturous brain that I had that was spinning of like, you got to get off this planet, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like not, not a great place to be, but the only place I knew. And once that stopped, I was like, whoa, you can live like this. It's wild. Um, and that's due to like modern medicine. And I did uh, ketamine treatment, which I talk about a lot, hmm. um, which in sobriety, some people wouldn't say that's not a sober thing. It was prescribed by a doctor. And so it is, you can, you know, there's, uh, everyone's going to have their opinion about that kind of stuff. But this, but after I did ketamine, I was no longer suicidal. And I did that four years ago. So I haven't been suicidal in four years, which is amazing. Yeah. And I think a lot of that came and, you know, to like bring it back to is like a shameness, like being a, it had to do with brain chemistry, but also ashamed of who I was and that I wasn't exactly what was cookie cutter like out for me from my family and society. I wasn't that. And my mom cried when I came out, you know, I think just only because her idea of what my future was, had to, was shattered in that moment. And it was for me too, you know, there was no husband picket fence, two kids wasn't happening. And, uh, and, but I now know that that was not going to make me happy or be me. And I still can have a partner and two kids in a white picket fence if I friggin' want it. Um, but I don't want that. And I also was really pushed as a kid to also be like incredibly academically driven, athletically driven. Like I was a perfectionist and my parents expected that. They expected excellence in everything. And the more that I've gotten sober and been in that community, I can let go of like this need of excellence and embrace what is excellent about me, which mm. is like my internal beauty as like fucking gay as that sounds. It's Pretty what gay. we love. It 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 we love it. <laughs> um, it's like the internal stuff is what is, you know, and I don't believe in perfectionism. There's no such thing, but the internal happiness and that's where the real, like, that's where I really thought I, now I feel I've hit the jackpot. It wasn't because I had, you know, I fucking got a scholarship to one of the top D1 schools in in the country. It doesn't, I'm like, okay, whatever. Today I'm like, oh my God, I wake up, don't want to kill myself. I get up and I'm like grateful. And I'm like, I love this. And I, I get to call people I love and do stuff that I love. And it's just a weird, it's such a crazy time because it's because just three or four years ago, we'd be having a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. And so things shift and change really fast. And I'm just so grateful that I am where I am right now. Um, yeah. So it's definitely was alcohol was a necessity until it became mm, a hindrance and wasn't working anymore. And then I had to let it go since the best thing I ever did. So, yeah. 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 I had to, I've had to, I have a lot of conversations with myself of when I would, when I think back and, and so there's a lot of shame that comes with for me 
like having had a drinking problem and like the stuff that I said or did and like really hard on myself. Like, why couldn't I just had it under control so I can like be a social drinker now? It's like, that's just, that's not what it was. And I was doing the best I could with the tools that I had. And that's just what I was doing. And now I'm so much better for it. And it's just, is, but it's, it, that also is a constant conversation with myself of like, you were doing the best you could. Right. Yeah. With the stuff that you were given and the tools you're given. And also the age in which we grew up. Mm-hmm. Social media came out right around when we were, you know, bec- coming into adulthood. And so they were like, cool, now plaster yourself on the internet. Mm-hmm. and look like this mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's all the billboards that you need to look like and you now you have your own handle so figure it out and look like that and it's like what the fuck I was like okay you know and it came out right around college time for me and I was like okay I gotta be the like straight sorority girl who's like hot and dates the captain of the soccer team and all that kind of stuff and So I think it is a product of our generation too, unfortunately. And I think what, what makes me so happy is that younger and younger kids are feeling more ready to be exactly who they are. And I don't know if it's ready, but more feeling like they can be accepted at an earlier age. Yeah. Like supported. They have, they have the information that we didn't have. We didn't grow up with the internet, (laughs) believe it or not, believe it or not, kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't have all of that at our fingertips. And so right. there's so much more access than there was before to that. Yeah, totally. And like social media has shifted, you know, with the age of TikTok and Generation Z, it's like the TikToks we watch now are people that are embracing their body and dancing the in bodies that we would have deemed not perfect in the past. And so all these kids get to look and see all these people advocating for body type, sexuality, gender, uh, you know, the trans community on TikTok is so beautiful. And the sober community on TikTok is really beautiful. And it's like this younger generation. And I'll even say this, like there was, I had a hot girl summer face, which just had to happen. But <laughs> I, I, I did hook up with like like girls like gen z girls and they taught me a lot about acceptance of like body image and who you are because they lived in a generation like that where i was so still like single-minded about some of that stuff so allowing myself to also learn from the younger generations is something i've i've been working on because it is i can learn a lot from them i think um because it's so ingrained in a millennial, I think. Yeah. To be a certain way. Yeah. I've definitely been inspired and changed by younger kiddos. Totally. You know, going to a, a weekend, um, like Shabbat, uh, Shabbat, what am I saying? Shabbaton, like a Shabbat weekend for my old job with teenagers. And I, I was staff. And they all just were so unapologetically themselves. And they yeah. were like, no, I'm fucking this. I'm this. My so, pronouns are they, them. And everyone else can go fuck themselves. And it's like, okay, if you can do that, I should be able to do that too. Yeah. yeah. And it's very empowering. Totally. It's amazing. 
it's really cool to see. Yeah. Really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Morgan, I want to talk to you for 17,000 more hours, but I have to move us into the, our, our lightning round, which is our last kind of, yes, do it. I would love to, I've talked to you for a million hours. Uh, you know, if you, we, we need an episode two. We need an episode two. I'm around, you know, I'm around. I love talking to you about yeah. all this. Stuff, so. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. Do it. Let's do the lightning round. If you, oh, and so these are mostly open-ended because I was told my questions were too binary before. Fine. So, <laughs> okay. Right. If you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? The crayon that represents like me. However you interpret it. These are very open-ended. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, vaudeville purple. Beautiful. <laughs> Your favorite time of day? I have bad insomnia, so I love the morning and the night. It's either early morning or late at night. Perfect. That's what I say. Favorite current queer media representation? Um, I would say... Um, Alexander Billings. That's a good choice. I just got her book. Part of um, my chosen family as well. I'm very lucky. Amazing. Um, a song that makes your heart soar. Taylor Swift's getaway car. All right. Favorite beverage. Oh my God. I'm such a soda freak. Diet Coke. I am. I am. I saw you. I see you drinking a Coke Zero, which. Yeah, I'm such. I, <laughs> that's my little guilty pleasure. Yeah, Diet Coke. Through if, and through. if you. Okay, this is not on. This is not on my list, but this Coke Zero had the original formula and then the nasty, disgusting formula, and now it's better. What? Yes. What is. You agree with that? Agree with that. Okay, great. Um, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Favorite quote. Um. My uh, great uncle, who died 44 years sober, used to say, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Mm. And I, I, that sticks with me still. And it's about change. And if you start changing, then you're going to change. But he always said it in that way. So if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So yeah, that's what I say. I like that. Okay. I, I had to keep one. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. We got, I don't want cake for breakfast. Okay. Well, okay. First I'm, of all, I'm a sugar junkie. I'm, <laughs> I'm also like, I'm an alcoholic, but I also like sugar. Yeah. And it's, I know, okay, I was a New Yorker. I maybe should have said bagels, donuts, donuts. So typically, donuts is the wrong answer. But when you, <laughs> when you put it in, in the way that you did, I want to have cake for breakfast, that's like changes it. Cause it's like, yeah, I also want cake for breakfast. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Morgan, thank you so much for being here and for yeah. sharing. Um, this was a true honor and, and privilege and pleasure. It is always an honor and a privilege to talk to you. It's also always, and I say it's an honor and privilege to talk about being queer, being sober, being, you know, correctly diagnosed. I always feel so blessed that I get to talk about that and, that people want to listen because, you know, six years ago, my, my life was in the gutter 
And so I'm just really grateful that I got to have this conversation with you. And you're wonderful. You're so easy to talk to and you're so smart and insightful. And this was, this was wonderful. I knew it would be, I was so excited. Thank you. I was also very excited. Morgan, thank you for coming out. And you know what? I do it again for this podcast. (laughs) 